Hello and welcome to the AFPAC file, the joint bi-weekly podcast of Radio Free of Liberty and the Wilson Center focusing on Pakistan and Afghanistan. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free of Liberty's media manager here in Washington, D.C. In recent days, there has been number of high-level uh, visits by foreign officials to Pakistan. The meetings were mainly focused on Afghanistan. Afghanistan is special envoy to Pakistan. Omar Dawudse is today in Islamabad. A few days ago, Russia is in Qatar's envoy for Afghanistan. U.S. Central Command Chief and high-level Afghan delegations were also in Pakistan. And this week, Pakistan's military came out saying that they do not support the Taliban taking over the Afghan government or something in this line. And finally, President Ghani said earlier this week that the country is close to peace like never before. And all these are happening at a time when the Biden administration is reviewing the agreement signed by his predecessor with the Taliban. I don't know if these developments are connected to each other, but the the sequence of events are striking. So we wondered what is really happening in Pakistan with regards to Afghanistan and what's behind this head-spinning Afghan diplomacy and what to expect going forward. To discuss all these, I'm joined by Amina Khan, the director of Center for Afghanistan, Middle East and Africa, the Institute of Strategic Studies in Islamabad. Amin Mudakik, the director of Radio Free Radio Liberty's Pakistan Service Radio Mashal. Amin is originally from Afghanistan and previously Radio Free Radio Liberty's Kabul Bureau Chief. Amin is joining us from Prague today. And Michael Kugelman, Senior South Asia Fellow and the Deputy Director of the Wilson Center's Asia Programs, joining us from Washington, D.C. Welcome, colleagues on board. So let's start with this general sort of question. So what's happening in Pakistan with regards to Afghanistan? So let me take each of your points on this topic, and then we will expand on it. So uh, maybe, Amina, let's start with you. Uh, sure. Yes, you're right. We have we've been having a number of visits by different representatives from Afghanistan. And I think while certain quarters in Afghanistan have viewed these visits with with skepticism and mistrust, I think there is a clear signal now from Pakistan that, you know, despite our previous policies where we did invest in one group, which was the Taliban, I think now uh, the narrative has clearly changed to where the Pakistanis want to reach out to all the different political and ethnic factions. And this was, I think, clearly stated by a foreign minister who said not so long ago that Pakistan does not have any favorites in Afghanistan. I think it's also a very clear signal, I think, also to the Taliban that, you know, they are not the only group that Pakistan would say want to focus on, you know, compared to the past. I think this is a welcoming development. And I think this should be appreciated by quarters in Kabul instead of looking at it with, you know, a certain amount of mistrust. Okay, let's see how they are reacting. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. are following Afghanistan. What they have been talking about these uh, diplomacy in Pakistan with regards to Afghanistan, what they are saying. As Amina said, that uh, there is a kind of cautious optimism in uh, Afghanistan these days because, as she mentioned, not only Pakistani diplomacy uh, reached not only to the Afghan government, but reached to other uh, factions like Karim Khalili, head of the Hadara party, and also the brother of uh, Ahmad Shah Massoud, Wali Massoud, an influential among the Tajik Panjshiris visited, and also Speaker of the Parliament visited, and along with uh, the Afghan president and wife who made frequent visits to, to Pakistan. 
I think one one of the reasons that these days we are seeing that Pakistan-centered diplomacy about Afghanistan is that uh, Pakistan successfully engaged all parties in, in Afghanistan in all countries who are involved about Afghanistan. And the Pakistani clearly communicated to them that they are honestly supporting the Afghan peace, peace process. Mm. And I'm surprised that the Afghan president, while talking to a gathering yesterday, said that Afghanistan is closer to peace than any time before. But he did not elaborate why, but the, the, the expert and political analyst indicate to doubt the uh, three days trip to Pakistan and in this multiple Afghan coming and going and visiting in Pakistan. In this message which comes from the General Babur Iftikhar, said that the Pakistan is not supporting Taliban. And, and after the record, he told, reportedly he told the media that Pakistan never want Taliban to take over Kabul again. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and for, for a true purpose, it's, it's pretty much in Pakistan interest that the Taliban should not be in Kabul. Mm-hmm. Michael, it's great uh, that Amin and Amina are apparently in agreement today on the way things are happening. So what do you think? What is your description of the sequence of evidence the way it's been taking place. Well, I think it's an indication of something that Pakistan's critics would not want to admit, and that's that uh, Pakistan is a, a very critical player in this broader peace and reconciliation process. That uh, you know, it oftentimes seems that, that all paths to a more propitious peace process lie through lie through Pakistan. And I think it's very notable that, as I believe Amin had mentioned earlier, that uh, we're seeing the Pakistanis engage with very different types of interlocutors than it typically has in the past. In the sense that uh, you know, it's it's meeting with folks from all over the political spectrum in, in Afghanistan. And I think that makes sense in that it perhaps can be seen as a way to push back against this idea that, you know, Pakistan's influence and access in Pakistan tends to be rooted in its um, its relationship with the Taliban. But clearly, Pakistan wants to send uh, a, a very different message. And I think that's important. And honestly, if this can lead to a better relationship between Pakistan and Afghanistan, which I know we've talked about before in this show, then great. I don't think we should get our hopes up uh, by any means, despite the encouraging signs that have happened to this point. But, you know, another point, another, I think, key takeaway here is, you know, we you had mentioned before that General McKenzie, the U.S. CENTCOM commander, was in Pakistan recently. And I think that so long as there is a peace process in place in Afghanistan, the U.S. government is going to look at, at Pakistan as an important player, one that uh, has to be at the table or not at the table necessarily, but the one that has to be present to try to um, push things forward. Mm. The U.S. government, of course, is still undertaking its review of Afghanistan. It looks like it may be close to coming to a decision as to what it does with its troop posture, but it really hasn't come out with any type of uh, announcement, certainly not publicly, about how it plans to approach Pakistan in the broader context of the peace process. But I think that we'll see continuity with what we had had with the Trump administration, and that is engaging with the Pakistanis. And that includes mm. sending high-level visitors, such as General McKenzie, and perhaps in the near future, a senior uh, civilian official, to, to talk to the Pakistanis. And I imagine that the conversations may be a bit more tense um, in private than they may appear in public. The U.S. will continue to look to Pakistan as the country to apply mm. pressure mm. on the Taliban mm. to reduce violence and all that. Does mm. the U.S. have higher expectations of Pakistan to do that than are appropriate? Mm. Perhaps so. Mm. But I do think that that, that will be a um, something 
something that we'll continue to see. But certainly yeah. here in Washington, there's a lot of, there's certainly recognition that it's a good thing that Pakistan is hosting these meetings and having interactions with a variety right. of different stakeholders across yeah. Afghanistan yeah, and beyond. But, you know, it's great that you brought uh, our discussion to this point. I mean, of course, we are going to talk about when, what changed in terms of Pakistan's calculation, the way it's acting these days, maybe a little bit later. But before that, um, there's another actor that we have missed uh, discussing so far, Taliban. I mean, it appears like recent statements by the Pakistani authorities that they are kind of distancing themselves from directly saying anything which would please Taliban, at least publicly. So what the Taliban is saying, maybe, I mean, you would like to talk about this, what they are talking about in terms of what's going on in Islamabad these days. I think they have not said anything under record so far, and they can't say that because Pakistan is like their, their headquarters, we, we, you know, when, when there is a break. When there is a break in the peace talks, the Afghan delegation go to Kabul and the Taliban delegation come back to Islamabad. So do you know that uh, they, they depend on, on uh, Pakistan? And uh, th- there was a shocking video of Blah Brother in the social media upon which we reported. And I listened to the, to the interview and the exact word of Blah Brother was that, that uh, he was talking to the Taliban. He said that not everything we say in Qatar, we uh, discuss it with our leaders in Pakistan. And he said, remember, not not a few leaders, not a few of our leaders are in Pakistan. Okay. All of our leaders are okay. in Pakistan. I mean, that, yeah, that that's something differently we could talk about. But the way things are happening in Islamabad these days, I mean, what Pakistan is saying, it certainly does not please the Taliban. I mean, of course. so, of, of so, I mean, they, so they are accepting the position Pakistan is taking now by not saying anything? Well, in, in our tradition, silence means acceptance, but they haven't said anything publicly mm-hmm. on record. Mm-hmm. Amina, how we should interpret that thing that Taliban is not saying anything? What is going on in Islamabad, which apparently praised by the Afghan side? And uh, well, I agree with Amin to a certain extent that the Taliban are not going to make uh, you know any public statements regarding this. But do remember that you know when Prime Minister Imran Khan visited Kabul, he did make this uh, vow, this promise that he would help to push towards a ceasefire. And I think since then, publicly, not so much, but privately, I think the Pakistani leadership has been speaking to the Taliban, pushing them towards a ceasefire. But as we have seen, the Taliban have been adamant on this front. And I think this has created a slight rift between the Taliban and Pakistan, particularly in in the reduction of violence. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is strained. Uh, And I would just like to mention to Amin that it's not just the Taliban that come to Pakistan when the peace process is, uh, you know, uh, you know, moving in a downward trajectory. Do remember, we all have more visits coming from Kabul and phone calls take place equally. So I, I don't think it's just the Taliban that come to Pakistan. But again, I will just say that this is, I think, a good sign even for the Taliban, because I think, you know, despite the fact that Pakistan has always supported them in one way or another, they have to reduce violence. And I think there is consensus amongst all the regional uh, stakeholders, as well as the international community, that in order to move forward, the Taliban will have to display a visible reduction in violence and move towards a ceasefire. And I think there can be no compromise on this. Speaking of consensus here, I mean, there was another uh, actor uh, which clearly stand out uh, with taking a rather an interesting position there. I mean, we, we were thinking of having someone from Russia to join us today in the discussion, but since we don't, let me invite Michael Yu to comment 
comment about this. I mean, the position the Russian envoy uh, Zamir Kabulov was taking, especially with regards to the uh, need for sort of a transitional government in Afghanistan, which prompted uh, a strong reaction by Kabul. So what Russia was trying to do here by saying that, I guess Kabulov's comment did not come when he was in Islam, but I, I think the, there was a, an interview he gave to Sputnik before his trip, I guess. So, but anyway, so that was also a, a one highlight coming out during the last couple of days with regards to Afghanistan. And again, Kabulov was also in, in Islamabad. So what Russia was trying to do? I uh, wouldn't want us to mistake me for a Russian government spokesperson, but in terms of articulating what could be going on there, I think that, uh, you know, Moscow is really articulating some views that uh, have a fair amount of support among those that are involved in this broader process, not Kabul, but uh, others. So indeed, Kabulov had indicated a desire for a uh, transitional government. You know, that's something that I don't think is necessarily opposed uh, in Washington, even if you know, they wouldn't publicly call for that to happen. Certainly Pakistan, uh, the Pakistani government, I think, would support such such an arrangement. Uh, and you have to believe that several other regional players would recognize a transitional government as something that would certainly be a very hard, if not impossible, sell for the Afghan government, and particularly President Ghani, who has very explicitly stated in recent days that it's not going to happen, or at least that's what he says publicly. Publicly. But it clearly is, I think, a case of Moscow wanting to articulate something, a message that many would actually buy into. I was also struck that uh, in Kabulov's comments that he was really trying to um, get behind Pakistan in the sense that the arguing that Pakistan's leverage over the Taliban is uh, is not unlimited, which of course is something that Islamabad has said for quite some time, and I think may well have some truth in this regard. But um, again, I think it was an attempt to articulate a view that um, others, more broadly speaking, that are involved in this process uh, subscribe to as well. Uh, But beyond that, from a geopolitical context, I think it's quite clear that Russia wants to up its game in Afghanistan, so to speak. You know, it is a regional player, a regional power, and it wants to be seen as an influential power that can, can play a useful role in this peace and reconciliation process. Now, of course, Washington wouldn't necessarily welcome that role because of the rivalry between the two. But the, but, the, 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 but the position that uh, Russia is taking, especially with the idea of transitional government, I don't think with that idea, Russia is making any headways in Afghanistan sure. with regards to Afghan government. I guess my yeah. uh, foreign min- Afghan foreign minister is today in Russia, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me bring in Amin back you here. I mean, from your perspective, like from the perspective of Kabul, what Russia has been trying to do by the latest comments that we heard from uh, Kabulov. I think as we follow the media, as, as Michael said, the Russia wants to prove that it's a regional prayer and want to have its say in the in the Afghan peace process. If we remember when the peace process uh, started in 2019. Zamir Kabulov was in Pakistan and he was complaining that the United States is going to start a unilateral peace process. So he was kind of encouraging that the United States should join Moscow format, you know, in which Russia, or Taliban, Afghan government and, and other players were uh, were there. So one reason is that by getting involved in Russia wants to have a kind of record or relation with the next government in Afghanistan. But speaking about transition government, this could not happen before the, the U.S. force withdrawal. If the U.S. force withdrawal, neither transition government, not interim government, nothing will work. But in, mm-hmm. until in the presence of U.S. forces, yes, I think everyone will agree that there could be a, an interim setup or a kind of mm-hmm. transition government or uh, anything. The second reason that the 
the Russia is siding with it, with the Pakistan, getting closer to the Taliban uh, position is that the Russia really want to keep its fragile informal agreement with Taliban in northern Afghanistan mm. because local media reports say that Russia is right now in agreement. I think the Russians also indicated that they are talking to the Taliban in this area that uh, that the, the, the Russia will provide some logistic support, medicines, or even some some people say ammunitions. But in response, the Taliban committed that to them that they will not allow the Central Asian jihadists like Ansarullah, Imayu, or these people who are who are in, in northern Afghanistan, particularly in Badakhshan and Takhar. They will not allow them to cross border into Tajikistan or Uzbekistan. And the Russian are successful in achieving this goal because so far. No, I knew uh, no Ansarullah, despite yeah. the fact that they are on the bank of um, Axis River, they couldn't cross there because they are firmly under the control of the Taliban. That's a very interesting perspective. And also between the lines, I should say, from Kabulov's interview, he was also trying to say like, you know, yes, Doha process was very a good start, but that's not the final destination. Perhaps uh, another parallel or maybe a, a unique process could start in, in Moscow where Afghan authorities and uh, Taliban and the regional players, China, U.S., including uh, Iran, uh, Pakistan, all coming mm-hmm. together and talking. So he's also kind of suggesting that idea during this his recent trip. Maybe it's not a, a new story. But anyway, no, all this is also happening at a time when uh, the May 1st deadline is approaching, in which, according to the current agreement with the, with the Taliban, U.S. troops must have fully withdrawn from Afghanistan. Does this diplomacy have anything to do with that deadline? and what to look for as to where things are headed going forward. Let's continue the discussion talking about these and many other questions very shortly. First, let me recap the debate that today on the APAC File podcast, I am joined by Amina Khan, the director of the Center for Afghanistan, Middle East and Africa, the Institute of Strategic Studies, Islamabad. Amin Mudakik, the director of Radio Free Radio Liberties, Pakistan Service, Radio Mashal. Amin was previously Radio Free Radio Liberties, Kabul Bureau Chief, and Michael Kugelman, Senior South Asia Fellow and the Deputy Director of the Wilson Center's Asia Programs in Washington, D.C. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free Radio Liberties Media Manager and host of the a pack file podcast here in Washington DC and we are discussing the ongoing Afghanistan centric diplomacy in Pakistan Obviously, we are going to talk about the possible connection between the pending deadline for uh, troops withdrawal and the latest diplomacy. But one small point about uh, this apparent harmony between Pakistan and Afghanistan, at least on the official level. Am I even correct to say that there is a harmony? I mean, er earlier I was talking to Amin. He was saying that whatever was happening in recent days in Islamabad, it could not have been happening without coordination with Kabul. So can we say that there is a, a new level of trust between these nations now at this stage? Amina, let's start with you. As much as I would like to say yes, I think I'll come back to what I always say. Let us be cautiously optimistic. Pakistan, I think, has realized that, you know, it has to 
widen the contours of its relationship with uh, with Afghanistan. Time and again, I have also said that while the peace process is an important aspect of this relationship, it shouldn't be the sole or binding factor that, you know, dictates the relationship. And we've seen that for far too long, if, if there are positive developments in the peace process, you know, you have positive statements coming from both sides. And the minute something goes wrong, the blame game starts. And and we've seen this even recently with Amrullah Saleh, who, who has an obsession with six months saying that, you know, the Taliban couldn't last for six months or something to that effect. So, but I genuinely believe that while, and I've said this again uh, before as well, I think on the podcast that while Pakistan's view or narrative towards Afghanistan in the past has certainly been contradictory and vague, I truly do believe that now there is mm. a genuine realization within Pakistan that, you know, with so much that is happening in the region, whether it's transnational terrorism or instability or the fact that, you know, Pakistan needs to build up its infrastructure by the extension of CPEC and whatnot, we need to have at least a workable relationship with Afghanistan. And for that, Pakistan has to accept and recognize and treat Afghanistan as an equal. And the fact that, you know, both the military and the civilian leadership is on the same page, I think, signifies this change, at least in my opinion. So hence, you see, you know, Pakistan's outreach. And I would like to commend, you know, Ambassador Sadiq's appointment, because I think since he has been appointed, you know, there has been a great improvement in the relationship and not just by bilateral visits also regarding the border which was a very contentious issue between both the countries mm. and yes we have had again border skirmishes but the fact that now you know you do have an operational border i think this is very important and um, the fact that now trade is somewhat improving so so i think there is a genuine realization within pakistan that we need to expand the contours of our bilateral relationship and we need to now look at afghanistan as an equal stakeholder And also, when I ask this question, one more thing comes to my mind is, yes, changes that you mentioned, Amina, the realizations that you mentioned in Pakistan, uh, Pakistani side. On the Afghan side, though, also there has been some changes. One change being Abdullah, Abdullah being brought into the chairmanship of the High Council mm. uh, of Peace. And Abdullah uh, has been coming to Pakistan and going to a number of other countries when he was proactively engaged in this. I mean, what do you think? I mean, what has changed from the Afghan side who are now at least optimistic, you know, I mean, let me put it this way. The reaction from Kabul to recent developments in Pakistan was not negative. I mean, what has changed in Afghanistan that they reached to the point now that whatever happens about Afghanistan and Pakistan, especially in the example of the latest diplomacy, they are not at least negatively reacting on the president's level, on the foreign minister's level. What changed there? Well, as we as we all discussed, that when Pakistan expressed support on both civilian and military level to the Afghan peace process, and they, they say that they are not supporting Taliban, and the I mean, we see that Afghan leaders of different factions, not only the government, are are, are uh, invited by Pakistan's, and the Pakistan is approaching to them. And when we see that Pakistan is facilitating, you know, in starting the, the Doha process, all of these are uh, indication that Afghan become cautiously, as Amina said, optimistic, because at least in verbal diplomacy, we see a support from, from the from the Pakistan. But so far, on practical ground, we have not seen uh, any, any kind of progress. 
these are these are just an initial optimism on the on the, on the diplomacy and the rhetoric. Okay, okay. I mean, but so when you say on the practical ground, Kabul has not seen anything from um, you know Pakistan in in terms of what it is saying, like um, sending the optimistic message. What are those practical things that you have in mind, or the Afghan authorities uh, has has in mind? The, the, because the Afghan believe that the Taliban cannot continue the, this this violent violent campaign without the support of Pakistan, because they, they believe that all the technical know-how, all the logistic are coming from Pakistan. As, as I said in the previous meetings, you know, the, the, the training that Taliban receive in, in make a simple mullah of, of a mask into a kind of bomb-making engineers, is not. this has not been done by NATO, by, by Afghan government. They, they truly believe that this is, has been done by the Pakistani Army Corps of Engineers. So they, they believe that if Pakistan, would, like, like Mullah Biradar said in his video, that all of our leaders are here in, in, in Pakistan. And despite a lot of things that the Pakistan is doing against us, we have to come to here it is our compulsion from that video everyone in afghanistan is mm. convinced that the key to both diplomatic and military solution to, to this conflict is with pakistan that's why uh, on the on the military level and the and the fighting on the war on violence level people did not see any any reduction that's why and on practical ground that the, the skepticism is still there and when we see to that that part mm. then the, the afghan can can be truly you know optimistic because as i mean i said that they are this is the time that that there should be at least a temporary ceasefire until the negotiation is going on Can't look look at that mother who who was lying on the street in the in the small kids who were were, mm. were, were yelling my mom my mom take up even the stoonish you know heart will be break, broken by by seeing this picture you uh, know i mean uh, certainly there is a, a positive uh, wind is blowing these days to some extent you are uh, describing it as a cautious optimism things like that but is there anything like in the line of what i mean was raising the point about the the historical connection between the pakistan military at least with the taliban it exists in whether we try to mm. describe it so is there anything that the pakistani authorities could build on to the this uh, optimistic atmosphere by trying to insert influence on Taliban to reduce its violence? I think it's very difficult because, mm. you know, I always say Pakistan is damned if we do and damned if we don't. Let's be very honest. It's very difficult to get rid of this this image. Pakistan does have a tarnished image in Afghanistan. And while, as I said, yes, it's an open secret that Pakistan does have you know, an open relationship with the Taliban, the fact that they come and they visit and meet our leadership. But at the same time, I think it's a little unfair and at times naive to blame Pakistan for all that is happening in Afghanistan. Please remember that, you know, the Taliban is an entity of its own. And while, yes, certainly if their families might be living here, they move to and fro. But at the end of the day, the Taliban, if they want to reduce violence, they will have to do so on their own. Pakistan can only do so much. And the fact that Imran Khan made a statement in Kabul saying that, in other words, at least we understood was that, you know, he promised an or he gave an assurance to President Khani. Again, I think it was very naive of him to do so. The Taliban will only reduce violence if they feel that, that it is in their interest. And I don't think they feel that that is the case right now. Here, again, I would say that I do understand and I appreciate and I acknowledge 
and the sentiments coming from the Afghans and the leadership uh, when it comes to Pakistan statements. But the fact that Pakistan is reaching out, you know, it is trying. And I think Pakistan should be given this space to try and at least move away from the past. It's going to take a lot of time. I, I, I do understand that. But here, that is why I keep on saying that both these countries then need to expand their relationship and not just focus on the peace process because Pakistan cannot deliver peace. This is something that needs to be understood by the Afghan leadership and the Afghan people. Mm-hmm. And here I will say that more than any other country, you're all aware that you know so many Afghans have been in Pakistan and we are affected by what happens in Afghanistan. And the fact that even if we want to reach out to China through this regional connectivity, mm-hmm. it cannot happen unless we have a, st- a stable Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So Pakistan needs it, I think, more than maybe the Afghans do to a certain extent. And that is why I think if Pakistan is trying to move beyond the past and change this this relationship mm-hmm. that has always been based on mistrust, give this much space to the mm-hmm. Pakistanis no, to do so. Yeah, I totally and I understand where you are coming. I mean, I mean, Pakistan might not be the country which can fully stop the violence in Afghanistan or things like that. But we, the, the recent Pakistan Center diplomacy has shown to us that there are things that Pakistan could do which could ease this mistrust, this tension, at least by reaching out to various factions there. I mean, it, it shows that it has eased tension in Kabul. I mean, uh, we have not at least seen any negative reaction coming out of Kabul, what Pakistan has been doing over the past couple of days. So it, that's a very good development. Michael, I have to conclude the discussion very soon, but I have two points uh, left to raise. Of course, we, I would like to, you to comment on what can be done to build on this apparently a positive, at least cautious optimism that is in the horizon uh, at the moment. But before that, even, uh, Michael, uh, this uh, head-spinning diplomacy that's taking place in uh, Islamabad about uh, Afghanistan, is there any connection between May 1st deadline and this activity in Islamabad? Yeah, so I could point to a very specific thing in terms of, you know, what to look for and hope for that would allow Pakistan and Afghanistan to build on the, the good signs in their relation. Now, as I think we all know, there's a, a transit trade deal between the two, hmm. um, a 10-year-old deal. I think it's an 11-year-old deal, which was set to expire. Hmm. But Pakistan agreed to an extension. Extended. Yeah, that gives th- uh, three more months to try to negotiate a new deal. Now, hmm. there's been no more important time to have a new transit trade deal between the two countries. And if you get that, it'll ensure that you continue to have a modicum of of commercial cooperation between the two sides, which can only be helpful in terms of building more goodwill and trust more broadly. So I think if the the Afghans and the Pakistanis manage to get an agreement on a new or renewed deal, I think that could be a very good sign. If they don't settle on a new deal, and this one that was in place for 10 years or so is basically gone, that, I think, could be a considerable setback and could mm-hmm. cause the two sides to lose a lot of the momentum that they've had in relations in recent uh, in recent months. Briefly, in terms of the question about May 1, yes, I definitely think that uh, all of this high-octane diplomacy in, in Pakistan is to some degree linked to that, particularly in terms of General McKenzie's visit. I do imagine that when General McKenzie was there, one of his messages to his Pakistani interlocutors was to to convey the message that Pakistan needs to pressure the Taliban not only on reducing violence, but being receptive to the idea of an extension on the troop withdrawals. I think that maybe one of the messages from high-level U.S. interlocutors to Pakistani counterparts would be to to socialize the idea of the need for Pakistan to be talking to, to the Taliban about this. Again, 
very hard sell. Uh, I don't think that Pakistan pitches the idea to the Taliban doesn't mean at all that the Taliban would be receptive to it and would demand a whole lot in return. But yes, I, I do think that um, that was a message that we can assume that General McKenzie and perhaps others uh, have made to Pakistan in uh, in recent weeks. Mm, very interesting. Okay, let's end the conversation with a couple of us and the future-looking points here. Um, I mean, let me bring you in here. Um, yeah, earlier you said that one thing that Pakistan could do is this, to uh, push Taliban to reduce violence. Put that aside for a minute. Is there anything else that Pakistan could do which built uh, a, a new momentum in this uh, sort of a positive atmosphere in terms of the Islamabad and Kabul's relationship. Is, is there any next bold step that Pakistan can take which could build on this optimism that you were describing coming out of Kabul? We all know that Afghanistan is burning in a fire. In, in such a situation, the only thing which people want is to, to extinguish the fire. This is the only thing that, that the Afghan people wants. I think if Pakistan can succeed and use its leverage on the Taliban to agree to make them agree on a ceasefire, that can build a real momentum. I know that trade is important, but Afghanistan has trade relations with, with so many other countries. In Afghanistan, no more depend on Pakistan as far as mm-hmm. trade relations mm-hmm. are concerned. They have now Chabahar, they have now Tina mm-hmm. to Kazakhstan, now they have Turundi to Turkmenistan, they have Hayratan, they have Tajik border. They, they are no more depending on, on, on trade relations. I mean, trade cannot improve the relation uh, between the two countries, cannot remove mm. mistrust between Afghanistan and Pakistan. I think the only thing in this moment of, you know, of fire Mm. is that there is a, a little step to 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 extingu- extinguish that, that, that okay. fire. We, we, we all know that, I think, behind the scene, I mean, apparently there is agreement and disagreement between different stakeholders, but behind the scene, we all know that if the May deadline comes in, in God forbid, the United States you know, opted up for a zero option, nothing will work. If you return to the to the 90s, even if Taiwan come back and, and capture Kabul, mm. this will be in the interest of no country in the region. Okay. Afghanistan. Pakistan, Good. Iran, Russia, okay. no one. Okay, so that is the view from Kabul. So f- coming to Islamabad, Amina, from looking into Kabul from Islamabad, is there anything Afghans could do to b- build on this momentum? Uh, if, if you allow, I would just like to just just in response to what Amin said. I think yes, more than any other country, and I know this sounds like a cliche, but yes, we do want peace to come to Afghanistan because again, a stable and peaceful Afghanistan is essential for Pakistan in the region. But at the same time, I again, I will repeat that I think trade is a very important aspect of this relationship, which has highly been ignored, if you see throughout our relationship. So if we have better trade ties and more connectivity, I think it will create economic interdependence. And this will, at least in my opinion, help to reduce the chances of an escalation of the conflict, despite the fact that if the peace process doesn't go well. So I think it's it's important. And yes, yes, Afghanistan has other options. But remember, at the end of the day, Pakistan is the cheapest and easiest option. And, you know, this people living on both sides of the border know this more. The traders know this more than I think me and, and you do. So I think trade is an important aspect. Another factor that I think could improve the relationship is the APAPs. There are many, many important aspects of the APAPs that need to be worked on both sides. So this is something that can be worked on at least to help improve the relationship and widen the scope of the relationship, which is so important because it's always looked through one uh, specific lens, and that is security and the peace process. Uh, From the Afghan side, I think give Pakistan a chance. It's as simple as that. You know, you need Mm. to give, despite 
the history of mistrust that has existed between these two countries, at least accept Pakistan for what it is now. And if it is trying or attempting to, to you know, um, open a new chapter in the relationship, view it with mistrust to a certain extent, but at least allow them to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's all I could say okay. here. Okay. Uh, Michael, last point from you. You know, this has been easiest discussion that we have had with regards <laughs> to Pakistan and Afghanistan's relations. And, it's, you know, we are talking about good things today. So is there anything could sabotage this atmosphere? I mean, what, what would be that thing? which could take us to a square one, considering that we are today, you know, uh, talking about this uh, kind of sort of improving relationship between uh, uh, these two nations. And is there anything which could take us back to square one? And also where your eyes will be going forward to where we are headed from here? Well, I mean, there's no shortage of spoilers that could try to throw a wrench in these uh, in these developments for sure. And honestly, we have to look at what the the Biden administration does. Uh, I think that's that's key. You know, there, there's a good chance that the peace process could be squandered, regardless of what the Biden administration does, mm-hmm. right? If, if it keeps troops there beyond May 1st without an extension agreement from the Taliban, that could shatter the peace process. If it pulls its troops on May 1st, the Taliban could uh, scale up its violence. That could end the peace process. So I think that, yeah, I mean, we could be cautiously optimistic on some levels, but uh, some very tricky weeks, uh, I think, lie ahead. But I think getting to know what the, the Biden administration's decision will be, I think that'll be quite important. Final note, we didn't talk about this at all. You know, there was an agreement between India and Pakistan today for a new ceasefire mm-hmm. along their border. Oh, One wonders wow. if U.S. engagement with Pakistan may have had something to do with that over the last few days, just because mm-hmm. the U.S. really wants Pakistan to be helping with the Afghan peace process and does not want it to be bogged down in its tensions with India. So maybe, I know this was, there were negotiations over several months that led to this ceasefire, but still, one wonders if that's another dimension to this exactly. to this uh, diplomacy involving McKenzie and, and other Americans and others in in. Pakistan of late. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very good point that Michael you raised. I mean, one element of tension has always been, at least when you look into this from Islam, about like you know India's growing role in Afghanistan. So the fact that India and Pakistan is agreeing on something that's uh, certainly a good uh, news for Afghanistan. So I think with this we have to conclude the conversation. I also wanted to talk about Russia a little bit. You know, Russia is certainly doing something in Afghanistan, and we have to talk about. About this in details and we also would like to hear uh, Russian perspective about what they think of Afghanistan going forward but maybe that's for another show so with this uh, thank you very much uh, Michael Kugelman Senior South Asia Fellow and the Deputy Director of the Wilson Center's Asia Programs in Washington DC and also big thanks goes to Amina Khan the Director of the Center for Afghanistan Middle East and Africa at the Institute of Strategic Studies in Islamabad Amin Mudakik the Director of Radio Free Radio Liberties Pakistan Service Radio Mashal thank you very much colleagues for your time and thoughts today. And this is from me, Mohamed Tahir, Radio Free Radio Liberties Media Manager and host of the APAC File, a joint podcast series of Radio Free Radio Liberty and the Wilson Center. Please join us in two weeks. Until then, bye-bye.